Yeah, exactly. So there's a few sort of key examples. And I think what you start to see is that um, payments is just sort of seeping deeper and deeper into the fabric of software. So you have these companies like a MindBody. So MindBody is a software provider for the yoga studio, spa, and sort of gym uh, industry. And so they provide the sort of point of sale system that manage the day-to-day operations of these yoga studios. Everything from subscription management um, to online purchases to uh, their cataloging, everything that you would need to actually run one of these types of businesses. Um, they started off with just licensing out their software, but then eventually layered payments into the platform. And so what you started to see was that very quickly, 50 to 60% of their entire revenue comes from payments. And what these companies have started to do, MindBody, Toast does this in the restaurant industry, Lightspeed for the SMB market, is really transform this historical cost center into a profit center. Welcome to the Tearsheet Podcast. I'm Zach Miller. One of the major themes we've been exploring on this podcast and throughout all of our reporting, really, is this idea of embedded finance or finance everywhere. The idea is that as financial tools become more modular and APIs more powerful, every software company, every brand, really, can become a financial services company. We've seen this story. A leading SaaS company rolls out payments to tie together its service offering. Well, to do that, it requires a lot of payments engineering, manpower, and a lot of connecting various nodes of the payment system. Phoenix Payments is working to change all that. For a software company that wants to own its payment stack, Phoenix offers payment infrastructure as a service. Launch time is massively accelerated, and as CEO and co-founder Richie Cerna will tell us, it takes part of the payments ecosystem that used to be a cost center and turns it into a good source of revenue. Richie Cerna is my guest today on the Tearsheet Podcast. Before we continue with our program, I'd like to thank our sponsor, MX, for supporting Tearsheet's work. MX is the leading data platform for banks, credit unions, and fintechs, enabling its clients and partners to easily collect, enhance, analyze, present, and act on financial data. Hey, my name is Richie Cerna. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Phoenix Payments. At Phoenix Payments, we enable any software company to become uh, a payment company. So at our core, we're a payments infrastructure as a service company. So, so before we hop into Phoenix, I'm curious to know like how, how, what the Genesis story is. How did, how did you launch Phoenix? Where did the idea come from? Yeah, absolutely. So I actually come from a fairly non-traditional background uh, in terms of tech. I started my career off as a management consultant in New York, working in the financial services and tech and telecom group. Uh, I ended up moving to San Francisco after a, a few interviews with a bunch of VCs where I thought that venture capital was the direction I was going to go. And then I realized that I wanted to go out and start my own company. And so uh, after a few conversations, realized that it's going to be very difficult to be able to build a company without learning software engineering. So I quit my job, moved to San Francisco, moved into a hacker house uh, where I was living with, I think, like 30 different people and bunk beds and started learning software engineering. And the first company that I spoke to was a company called Balance Payments, which was payments API for marketplaces. So we were a competitor to Stripe uh, and uh, we were backed by Andreessen Horowitz, had gone through Y Combinator ultimately ended up exiting to Stripe uh, back in 2015. Uh, and it was really there that I started to get really obsessed with, with payments and, and really sort of the disruption that was going on the ecosystem. It was really there that we started to kind of recognize that payments was at another sort of tipping point in that um, there was a sort of verticalization of payments going on. And that the sort of next generation of billion dollar payment companies weren't gonna look anything like balance where I was working, they weren't going to look anything like Stripe or Square. They were going to be these vertical specific software companies that had payments layered into them. 
So in those in that form, payments are somewhat ancillary, or or could be core to the to what those platforms do, but they're not payments companies per se. Yeah, exactly. So there's a few sort of key examples, and I think what you start to see is that um, payments is just sort of seeping deeper and deeper into the fabric of software. So you have these companies like a MindBody. Um, have you heard of MindBody before? Yeah, I have. Only from our first introductory conversation, but yeah, would you like to explain yeah. it to the audience? Yeah, so MindBody is a software provider for the yoga studio, spa, and sort of gym uh, industry. And so they provide the sort of point of sale system to manage the day-to-day operations of these yoga studios. Everything from subscription management um, to online purchases to uh, their cataloging, everything that you would need to actually run one of these types of businesses. Um, They started off with just licensing out their software, but then eventually layered payments into the platform. And so what you started to see was that very quickly, 50 to 60% of their entire revenue comes from payments. So every time that yoga studio uh, sells a yoga mat or uh, one of their classes, they make a percentage of that transaction. And what these companies have started to do, MindBody, Toast does this in the restaurant industry, Lightspeed for the SMB market, is really transform this historical cost center into a profit center. So, so can you take us also a little bit deeper into that trend? Like why, why is it important for them to, to own that? Um, or how are, how, are they, how are these companies now dealing with payments? Have they outsourced this? Are they using sort of third-party stuff? Or they have, have they taken ownership over the entire payment stack? Yeah, no, that's a really great question. So uh, in the payments world, there's actually a few different sort of payment models. Um, there's something called the ISO model, which is basically where these software vendors or ISVs, integrated uh, software vendors, um, have a referral model with one of the sort of legacy providers, for example, like a world payer for data. Uh, and so typically, if you want to use one of these point of sale systems, they, uh, you know, you're the yoga studio uh, uh, owner, you would order the point of sale system, they'd send it to your office, you'd set it up, and then you would have to go to another third party, the actual payment company, to get underwritten for a merchant account. That could take anywhere between one to two months. You're sending them all of your financial data, you're sending them information so they can perform a credit check, bank account verifications, you know, dozens of pages of applications. It's a very cumbersome sort of process. Once uh, the owner gets approved for an account, they'll take those credentials and then plug them into their point of sale system and they begin processing payments. As you can imagine, in that sort of scenario, it's a very fragmented user experience, right? It's very complicated. Um, and then even when it comes to customer support, who do you go to? Do you go to the point of sales provider? Do you go to the payment company? Um, it can be very confusing. And so what these companies have done uh, is sort of change that model where they'll bring payments in-house. And by doing so, um, the software vendor can control the entire merchant underwriting experience and approve that merchant, take on the risk, and then there's only one single party that the business owner is dealing with. It's a much better user experience. And for the software vendor, it's a better monetization strategy. In that sort of fragmented model that I explained at the beginning, you're looking at maybe taking home 15 to sort of 20 basis points, so 0.1 to 0.2% per transaction. When they bring that in-house, they can make anywhere between 0.5 to 1% in terms of their take. Customer expectations have changed. People are looking to their financial institutions to provide them with experiences that fit their lifestyles. That doesn't mean just dumping data on them. It means providing proactive, personalized, and predictive advice. That's where Money App with Pulse comes in. Developed by MX, 
the personal finance manager makes it possible to engage customers on every level, from professional budgeters to people who try to avoid personal finance entirely. This can lead to a 60% increase in logins and a 28% increase in NPS. See the MX platform in action. Ask for a demo at MX, that's the letters M and X, dot com. And what are the benefits? Um, you, you talked a little bit about sort of the, the, the better user experience. Um, what are the benefits of bringing that in-house and what are some of the challenges? Yeah, I think it comes down to, to two pieces. By bringing your payments in-house, the benefits are profit and then an improved user experience, right? So we talked a little bit about the sort of improved monetization strategy, right? Being able to get a better take on, on each transaction that um, comes through the software vendor. Um, the other part is payments is now an indistinguishable part of the value proposition, right? That's every part of um, the end user experience. And so for these types of software companies, they're providing a, a sort of B2B platform, right? So for them to compete, they have to give not only the best purchase experience, but also the best merchant experience, right? They're managing both sides of that transaction. So they're now allowing for an automated and seamless underwriting experience for their merchants, but they're also, they also have full control over how often and how frequent they can pay out their sub-merchants. Um, some of these new software vendor, vendors are allowing for more innovative disbursement mechanisms, things like Visa Direct and MasterCard Send, where they can actually push out funds to a merchant instantly or in 30 minutes or less rather than having to wait you know, to get paid out via ACH. Um, they're providing better user experiences for the buyers. They're providing more robust data for their merchants. There's just so much that can be done by bringing your payments in-house. So it makes a lot of sense to bring it in-house. And, and so these companies that do bring it in-house, what are the challenges that they face uh, in doing that? Yeah, and historically bringing your payments in-house has been very difficult from um, a time perspective, from a complexity perspective, uh, and then just managing the ongoing sort of complexity of payments. Um, so you're looking at typically probably, uh, I'd say, two to three years before you can run your first transaction. You're looking at hiring a team of 10 to 15 engineers, probably upwards of $5 million in terms of upfront investment. And then once you build it, it's not a set it and forget it sort of model, right? The payments uh, ecosystem is constantly changing. There's new acceptance methods, there's new compliance rules, um, there's data legacy infrastructure that you have to deal with. So it's very, very cumbersome. Um, you look at a company like an Airbnb who has over 170 people on their payments team, 110 payment engineers. It's very complex work. And so our view is that rather than building out all these internal capabilities, outsource that to a company like Phoenix and allow our customers to focus on building what's really core to them, building the best UIs, building the best experiences for their customers. So can you, Richie, can you take us through what it would look like um, working with Phoenix? Like, well, how, like the, a, I guess, A-B testing, for, you know, bringing it in-house and doing it all on your own or working with you? Yeah, absolutely. In terms of the technical integration, you're going to look like, uh, it's going to look like any sort of similar developer experience that you get with a Stripe or any of the other developer-friendly APIs that are out there. Um, the, we've, you know, built these types of APIs before. We've worked with some of the best and leading sort of marketplaces out in the ecosystem. We know how to build, you know, SDKs and, and provide that seamless integration. The biggest challenge that's out there right now is just for our customers to get sponsorship by one of the acquirer processors. So a First Data or uh, a WorldPay uh, or an Elevon. Um, if you're going to bring your payments stack in-house, you have to have one of these parties um, allow you to begin practicing this type of payment model. 
And how do, and so, and you guys have that built in? I mean, like, how, how, how do you guys help address that? That's a great question. So historically, uh, a lot of our customers would spend, you know, $100,000, $200,000 going out and reaching out to very expensive uh, consultants to get them assistance with, you know, their policies and procedures, with how to build out a payment team, how to organize it. We've actually now built out our own professional services and consulting group to help accelerate that process, to give our customers everything they need to stand up their payment business as quickly as possible. So there's a, so working with Finix, it, excel, it helps me to accelerate sort of that bringing, bringing payments in-house and, and you guys are actually helping direct me in terms of figuring out like how to connect all the different pieces together. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, when you think about payments, it's an incredibly esoteric industry, right? There's a lot of sort of domain expertise that takes years and years to be able to stand up any sort of payment company. Our job is to abstract away that complexity and allow our customers to really sort of unlock the most lucrative parts of merchant services and payment processing. So can we talk about a couple of the companies, ISVs that are, that are using um, Phoenix and, and maybe talk about like what, you know, what, what onboarding look like and, and, and what they're doing with you guys? Yeah, absolutely. So there's two great customers that we have um, that we could talk about. Uh, one, uh, Lightspeed Point of Sale. They're a Canadian-based uh, payment facilitator. Uh, historically, they're providing sort of these types of point of sale solutions to the SMB market. And another one uh, is Club Essential, a provider uh, of software for the gym and country club space. So can we? So your, your question. Yeah, can we drill down and say, like, let's start with Lightspeed. You asked a little bit about the onboarding experience, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. So one of the sort of unique uh, use cases for someone like a Lightspeed uh, is that they service customers in both the physical retail world as well as the card not present world. Hmm. And if you go to one of the legacy providers uh, and you want to process payments in both of these different channels, everyone kind of talks about having an omni-channel solution, being able to pr- uh, process payments in both of those sort of landscapes. The reality is there's usually two different systems to be able to process those payments. Um, one system has a completely different schema than the other, different reporting capabilities, different onboarding APIs. It's very complex to be able to unify those systems. For our customers, we're able to provide them one unified API to provision merchant accounts in both of those systems. So we very much abstract away the complexity of integrating into these very disparate uh, solutions that a lot of the legacy providers have. Interesting. And on the, uh, and in terms of um, Lightspeed and what they offer to their customers, what, what, what actually are they delivering in terms of payments? Yeah, so they, you can kind of think of them as providing a, a sort of full stack solution like you would get from a square, right? Um, you want something to manage the day-to-day operations. You want something to manage the actual payment processing, the point of sale iPad. Um, you want something to provide uh, an e-commerce experience, something similar to a... Um, um, a Shopify, they mm-hmm. have an on-site uh, website as well to stand up your e-commerce business. So everything that you would need to run your business, you can effectively get from someone like a Lightspeed. Interesting. And can we switch also to Club Essential now and talk about um, what that partnership looks like? Yeah, no, that's um, fairly similar, but they are um, highly verticalized in terms of their customer set. Um, so uh, we work with them also in the card present and card uh, not present world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you think about the way that you run a gym or a country club, you'll have members who play their dues online. 
but also um, the, the club themselves will need to process payments for the golf shop, um, for the restaurant that they have on their site. And rather than having to go to four or five different providers to provide that sort of payment experience, their customers can now go to one single provider, Club Essential, to get all of those tools and solutions. And like, so how long did it take for Club Essential, I assume this is one of your early customers, um, to get up and running on Finix? Yeah, so from a technology perspective, you're looking at something probably like two months before, you know, from the point of signing the contract to actually going live. For, wow. for them, they did a lot of work up front in terms of, of, you know, becoming compliant, getting their policies and procedures in place. And again, that's the reason why we're investing so much in the professional services and consulting part of our business is to allow them and other future customers to get ramped up as quickly as possible. It's really indispensable, that consulting piece. Longer term, how much, like, how, how do you think of professional services revenue uh, and sort of um, SaaS revenue? How do you think of that, you know, in terms of their, their mix, in terms of your revenue, longer term? Uh, that's a great question. I mean, I think for, from our standpoint, we, we're it's not focusing on right? professionals. No, no, I mean, we're not yeah. looking at professional services as being the core piece of our business, right? We're just understanding, you know, we see how the market works and we see that that is the largest bottleneck, right? And so if we can educate our customers so that they can get up and running as quickly as possible, it's not about the, you know, the consulting revenue. It's about the long-term value of, you know, the SaaS license that we have. Right. I guess my point wasn't whether you were going to emphasize that, that part of your revenue stream, but I just, it seems like that's, as you described, it's, it's a super important way to get people over the hump to, to be able to work with, with you um, or to get into payments, to own the payments experience. So like, I was just curious. Oh yeah. I, I would have to assume I that think, companies are going to take you up on that. Right. Oh yeah. I mean, I think like, uh, are you familiar with Stripe Atlas? Sure. That's like the I think that's one of the cool business formation. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's something um, that we ran into back at Balance as well when uh, we were servicing small sort of e-commerce and marketplaces, was that we had so many startups that would come to us and say, hey, we want to work with you guys. We understand that your technology um, is probably the best in the business, um, but we're not incorporated yet, right? We're an early stage startup, uh, and we couldn't service them, right? It was a part of the agreements that we had with our acquired processors, uh, Vantive at the time, um, and pretty much a... a a regulatory uh, requirement that you can't onboard and underwrite a merchant if they don't have a U.S. bank account and if they're not a U.S. incorporated company. And so what Stripe did, which was genius, was they created sort of a company incorporation machine, right? How can we set up any startup as quickly as possible with everything they need to begin processing payments, right? We're just doing that now, but at a more sophisticated level for larger enterprises. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. And so, you know, in the remaining time we have in our conversation, um, like, I guess, what are you focusing on um, for the rest of this year? You know, is, it, is it just taking what you, ha- what you have and just expanding this and, and working through your pipeline? Uh, are you coming out with new products? Like, wh- where's, where's your management? Like, how do you wear your management hat? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, with the fundraising round that we just closed, a lot of it's about growing the team so we can speed up product development, speed up new channel partners. Um, but when I think about how we continue to focus on product, it's really about how we continue to extract away as much of the complexity that's tied to payments, right? And so for a lot of our customers, this goes to the sort of compliance pieces. Um, how do we automate this, right? So much of payments today has been this sort of giant mechanical Turk, right? 
um, doing KYC checks, doing credit checks, calling out to various third-party providers. The more and more that we can automate um, and codify directly into our APIs, the better our customers' lives will be and the easier it will be for them to manage their payment stack. Uh, it, I know you mentioned in sort of our pre-screening um, that you had your pipeline was growing like crazy. Like, can you talk a little bit about sort of what the what the demand is for something like this? Uh, I can't talk in terms of specifics. What I can say is that one of the reasons that we were able to get such a, a high caliber set of of investors this last round from Bank Capital, Insight Ventures, uh, and Visa is that there really is a tremendous amount of interest across the ecosystem for these software companies to become payment companies. Every single VC that we talked to told us that they had a strategy or sort of thesis internally that their software companies were gonna become payment companies and that they were all looking at how to do this but didn't know where to get started. Um, we even talked to a number of private equity shops who are looking in, at, at you know, making acquisitions of various software companies, these sort of B2B platforms and also turning them into payment companies and unlocking that very lucrative monetization strategy. So I think there's, there's no shortage of interest, not only here domestically, but also internationally. Um, the same sort of trends, the same sort of payment facilitator model is taking off not only here, but also in uh, Canada, uh, in Latin America, uh, in Europe, we're seeing the same sort of intersection between software and payments really taking off. Totally, totally agree with that. We're definitely seeing it here. And I've, I've heard the same thing about private equity uh, making investments specifically in the payments uh, to get at those payments. Uh, I guess one ancillary question, um, a company that has taken payments in-house and is, has all those payment engineers, as you described, are those target clients like today or tomorrow? Oh yeah, absolutely. We're actually working with a number of, of large payment facilitators uh, large payment companies today that are outsourcing various components to Phoenix, uh, really to sort of automate some of the more cumbersome parts of, of their sort of payment stack. So for some of the customers, they've had difficulty with their underwriting and onboarding, right? How do they automate that? They can come to us and license out various components. Um, if they need assistance just with settlements, right? How do they pay out their submergence? Uh, we can also sort of decouple our platform so they can use just those modules themselves. Um, I think what you're starting to see is that could they, you know, can these large companies manage these pieces? Absolutely, right? They've been able to do it before, but again, they've done it in, in a way that hasn't been as streamlined as possible, right? It hasn't been automated. Uh, and that's something that we can really continue to assist with. And it's not just, you know, these sort of vertical software companies, we're seeing it with financial institutions, we're seeing it with legacy payment processors, we're seeing it with everyone across the payments ecosystem. You're definitely in a great space. Richie, thanks for joining us on the Tearsheet Podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it.